today's episode of Future Says, we have Ming Tang, Chief Data and Analytics Officer at NHS England, where she's responsible for the strategic development of data science capability across the health service. In recognition of her unprecedented accomplishments during the pandemic, Data IQ have named Ming as 2021's most influential person in data. Hello and welcome to Future Says, Ming. Great to have you on the show today to hear about how the NHS, the National Health Service here in the UK, have been using data in the fight against the pandemic. Thanks so much for having me, Sean. I'm really delighted to be here and look forward to the conversation. So during the course of this series, Ming, we've had people from many different industries, many different sectors, many different companies talking about how they've accelerated their adoption of digital tools over the past 18 to 24 months. Of course, healthcare and the NHS is no different. And some of the achievements you've had in recent times have been pretty incredible. The early warning system you've created to forecast bed capacity up to three weeks in advance. The National COVID-19 Imaging Database, which can speed up the identification and severity assessment of the illness. And of course, the rapid acceleration in the search for potential drug candidates. And that's something that Bill Magro, the chief technologist of Google, spoke about on a previous episode of this series, where Google collaborated with Harvard to do hugely parallel cloud computing applications, finding answers in weeks, which would have taken over a century on legacy infrastructure. So clearly a very exciting time. And it's equally exciting that we have a bill coming to the UK government very soon, which is set to determine AI in social and healthcare between now and 2030. So never a better time to speak about this and never a better person than Ming Tang to tell us all about it. So Ming, what's it been like being the chief data officer of the NHS over the past 18 months or so? I've been incredibly privileged to have this role. Um, My role covers data and analytics. So in some ways, we brought those two things together to make the best use of the data. And really, by pulling together our data resources, making those data resources available. So your example with Google, just making data available so that really smart people can do better things with the data. And also for the NHS, we've built out kind of functionality that's really helped us manage the pandemic operationally. So one of the things I'm really incredibly proud of is the way that we've enabled better decision making, more timely decision making, and and therefore hopefully have had an impact on the way that vaccines have been delivered, the way that we've targeted patients and we're now using that data again for recovering, you know, making sure we manage the backlog more effectively. So my role has three main aspects. One is pulling together all the analysts so that we make best use of the analytical resources we have across the NHS, and particularly in NHS England, an improvement that we have a large pool of people, making sure that we're all pulling in the same direction is one of the tasks and making sure that we all those resources to work on the best priorities. Working very strongly with partners like NHSX, NHSD and other HDR UK, ONS to make sure the data we hold within the NHS has been made available and that we're collaborating across systems to make better use of the triangulation of data, making sure that we've got the data assets and infrastructure to support the federated use of data in the future. So very much 
focused on making sure we've got the right architecture and infrastructure to support the stronger uses of AI, data science in the future. And then I guess my third one is really driving the competency and development of the workforce, both in analyticals and data engineering, data science, making sure that the NHS is a great place to work, that we have the right career structures for that workforce, and that we're attracting talent and retaining talent within the NHS so that we can make better use of all the other things that I've just talked about in in terms of the investments we've made in the infrastructure. So it's incredibly exciting, really busy, but really nice to have the opportunity to be on the front line, if you like, in spearheading the data challenge. So it's really exciting. Yeah, I'm sure you've certainly been busy, Ming. It sounds like it. (laughs) I'd like to break out each of those individual components during the course of this episode, of course. But uh, the first one I'd love to sort of scope out more is those applications of AI. So you sort of mentioned you spent a lot of time getting that infrastructure ready for these applications. So let's take the pandemic as, as one example area. Can you go deeper into those use cases the NHS have used data for? Well, I guess we are still early nascent in the journey of using AI and really we've put in the infrastructure. So the, the imaging database that was very much led by NHSX, actually, and we provided some of the support for that. But if you think about it, collecting the data of those images, making those that data available and making it open to lots of research organisations. So it's not necessarily all about us. It's actually making the infrastructure and the data available and the scans available for research is one of the big things that we've enabled. We're doing quite small projects with AI. And one of the reasons for that is, is both the data maturity, the timeliness of some of the data, which we why we're focusing on the infrastructures to get more timely events data, more patient data in, t- in terms of experience and really adopting some of those things. You mentioned at the start, the, the third part of your role is developing the workforce at the NHS in general. Can you talk about what that team looks like at the moment, the data science team in the NHS, Ming? Within NHS England and Improvement, we've got fairly small teams, but across the NHS, we've got pockets of really greatness. Part of my role is to stitch those up in the network. So some of the stuff that you've seen in Analyst X is about creating that community network so that people can work together. And then the AI Skunkworks group are really encouraging the teams to actually have ideas come together. So one of my ambitions is almost to create the demand funnel the ideas funnel for these networks to work on so they can collaborate and work across both across the NHS, but also with third parties. So the culture that we want to aspire to be is using a federation. So federating both our our data, our resources, and also our learning. So how do we create, coalesce different people of different you know, a diverse group of people to a business problem and then apply better data science or or best machine learning or best analysis to that problem so that we learn and share. So part of what we're also looking at is how do we open up you know, a coding, a code share GitHub type thing across the NHS? How do we share data standards? How do we share learnings from projects so that we, we get more vibrancy and the Analyst X community are a big portion of that. So that's quite a big program. Through that, we become more agile. People become less siloed. 
And also, more importantly, what I find with all our analysts is they really want to work together, but sometimes organizationally it's so hard, you know, because they can't share the data or they can't, they don't have the time. Partly what I'm trying to do in the competency model and the way that we schedule work to staff is to allow them a bit of time to do some of that. It's really early days, I'd say, but the ideas are there. They've got lots of um, learning tracks, you know, where you can come in and spend time. My ambition is that, you know, each analyst has a certain amount of time to spend self-directed learning through these platforms. So very much opening it up so that it becomes an exploratory journey for each individual, but they can see how that journey fits into a career path and they can see how they're kind of topping up their kind of it's almost like um, CPDs for clinicians. How are they creating more professional competencies? And then we would like to, over the top of that, probably overlay some competency um, accreditation, so that they they you know they love badges and <laughs> and achievements. So it's really how do we encourage that sharing, learning, and actually I think because it's we've got size and scale, we can actually do that quite well within the NHS. Sort of what you're touching on here, I think, is data democratization as well and, and spreading it from the analysts to the healthcare practitioners. Ming, you have quite a novel background. You're a qualified pharmacist, right? Yes, I am. I guess you're a great example then to everybody in the NHS of how you can become more data savvy and become more, let's say, a citizen data scientist, a pharmacist or a clinician or any healthcare practitioner to become more data savvy. Something I'd like to pick up on, how, how do you get those people that don't have data backgrounds to become more data savvy? So we're doing some programs about data literacy. I guess sometimes we make it exclusive. So I, I think part of the trick is we want our products and our analysis to be used. So in order to do that, there is a key question you're trying to answer. There is a key customer for that analysis. And there's some insights and decisions that you would like to be taken on the back of that analysis. So making sure that's very customer orientated and making sure that we're using the analysis to drive support the business is one of the key things for me. And what we're doing really is trying to give both users of our analysis, so the customers for our service, data literacy information, but putting the onus back on the analyst to say, actually, are you answering the right question? Do you actually understand what, what's being asked of you? And if you don't, what's the context of the question? Understand the context of the question, go back and, and do that. So we're giving training and development to our analysts to be more thoughtful, more of the softer skills, understanding, strategic questioning, how to structure work so that it actually adds value and you're driving insights it's a great response and I think it touched on a lot of things, data literacy, quality of data. That's something I'd like to pick up now is the challenges. We sort of spoke about the opportunities. What are some of the big challenges with working with data in a healthcare setup? <laughs> We've got so much silo data and so much that is orchestrated and curated in different ways in different places with different standards. We're not the most disciplined um, institution under the sun, but we have lots of data, right? So the benefit of making sure that we triangulate those data sources so that we can actually 
get a range and understanding of what is the truth and then starting to make that more consistent is a huge opportunity. But the challenges very much are because they're siloed and there's so many sources of that data, each person holding the source and controlling that source wants that to be the answer. And I think the, the challenge for us is actually accepting that no one person has the right source. How do you augment? How do you triangulate? And how do you then bring those data fields together to better understand and do it against the timeline? One of the biggest benefits of what we're doing is changing our data collection away from institutions, so hospital data because of the activity, to you, Sean, going into a hospital and the things that happen to you in that hospital and how that then links back to your GP, how that then links back to your outpatient kind of follow-up. And then what happens to you, what that happens, does that have an impact if you then went into emergency care? So actually having that pathway, a person level, not necessarily, we don't want it to be identifiable, but actually having the data curated in that way means that we reduce a lot of the data quality issues because when you're trying to combine data from different sources which are based on services rather than the person it's very easy to duplicate or or get things wrong so actually having the source data of the person is really important having those reference data sets so that we're not we're comparing apples with apples so you know Sean Lang and your your reference in terms of your NHS number, whether that's your NHS number or a good pseudo of that NHS number, so that we can use that to link the data actually encourages and improve the data quality around you. And then really we want to start bringing in a better understanding of how people experience healthcare. So really linking your activity in healthcare and your experience of healthcare so that we become a bit more customer orientated is the other challenge and benefit of what we're trying to do. But as we digitalize more, data will become a byproduct of that digitalization process if we've designed the digitalization properly. And then it will be much easier to do the analysis we want. And that's when I think you can then start getting the benefits of some of the AI that you, you, you're talking about. So sort of quality, transparency, trust of that information. Another thing we talk about a lot on, on this series, Ming, is the ethical use of data. We've seen some horror stories in industries, including healthcare with Optum in the US with an algorithm gone wrong. Any thoughts on, on how you can retain the ethical usage of data within your analytics project? Or in, I think the Analyst X machine learning challenge, one of the characteristics is each entry has to be accompanied with reasoning, so sort of explainability. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about that? Yeah, so explainability is really important to me. So in the early warning system that we created, one of the one of the things I'm really proud of is the team actually built in explainability as part of the solution. So I think it's it's not date well, it can be dangerous, but I think for us at early stages of adoption of those new machine learning algorithms or AI, it's really important that we're open and transparent so that what the model's doing, so that there's an understandability around the, the code because that's how we generate trust. So I think data ethics and understanding what we're trying to achieve. So I guess from my pharmaceutical background, one of the ways you could line it to is a clinical trial, isn't it? So if we look at data analysis as a product 
And actually, we should look at what's the impact of that product and how do we make sure we're not driving incorrect conditions? And then what do we, how do we mitigate those risks? So if we are looking at machine learning to offer a solution for a clinician, the last step has to be the clinician, not the machine, <laughs> you know, and how do we then validate what the solution is? And if you don't have good validation without the transparency, that's, I think, where you go wrong. So building that in is actually quite expensive, but absolutely necessary. One of the new roles that I want to kind of introduce next year, and it's, it's kind of why we're doing the foundation stuff first, is the data governance and ethics role within the data service so that you have someone who actually understands the data flows. It's not a, a corporate information governance kind of compliance role. It's actually someone who sits alongside, has probably an analytical background to understand the data flows and the analysis that you're trying to do, who can then arbitrate and pull the right people together to have that discussion so that we document what the risks are around the piece of analysis and how we're mitigating that. I think for large programs, that's what we're absolutely going to have to do. Thinking about, as you start saying about the future and what, what happens next year, what happens in the next few months, Meg? How, how, what work have we done over the last 18 months that, that fits us well, I guess, for, for this coming So week? I guess the exp explainability piece around early warning system, building that in. We're doing a model for urgent emergency care at the moment. Again, building in that explainability, that's expected. You know, making sure that we do logic trees, so before a project and a piece of analysis is starting, we have the logics so we understand what the business benefits are, what we're trying to achieve, and that's documented and that's tested with different people. Working very closely with clinicians, because quite often they will see things that our analysts don't see, and just working as a joint team. So this is where, I guess, in a soft way, where the diversity comes in, making sure that we're working in the matrix team with a diverse team with different thought patterns will help us secure some of this. So making sure it's okay for people to have that debate and understanding and then testing it across each other. So I think internal peer review is really important. I mean, that's what research is all about, isn't it? To do peer reviews. And I think we have to build that in. And we're doing a lot of that pre-work this year to make sure that we've got some of those processes in place and people are used to working in that way before we kind of jump into doing larger pieces of work. We're doing some experimentation with AI, as I said, and in within that we're building in some of these processes. You just briefly mentioned diversity there, Ming. I know it's, it's something you're also quite passionate about, diversity of opinion, diversity of the workforce in general. Can you talk about your initiatives in this respect? Yeah, so we have within NHS England quite a strong emphasis on diversity. But I think when we select, we want good competent analysts and data scientists and data engineers, not, but having people that come from different backgrounds, different neurodiversity, I think is really important. We're not yet at you know testing people before they come in in that way. But I actually think actually being open and talking about it and selecting people with a variety of those characteristics when we staff staff work. So the way that we schedule projects, we make sure that we've got the right mix of people with diff bringing different experience, both experience of the domain area, as well as the technical skills, as well as, you know, change <laughs> and also the way that 
the way they, they think. And teaching the teams techniques to test that thinking is, is part of what we're doing. And when you say then that you're hiring for this data governance and ethics role, I'm sure there's a lot of other roles you're, you're hiring for over the next year as well. What are some of those baseline competencies from a technical level, from a business level that you look for, for somebody that wants to join the NHS data team? We've got different levels. So I'm really keen that we, we have apprentices who can come in at lower levels and learn on the job. Because I think with all analysis and data, what jobs, it's the context that you're using that stuff. And we can teach you the technical skills, but you also have to have the con the context experience of, of how the NHS works, the NHS data, so very much apprenticeship roles. We've gone out for quite a lot of data science roles. Behavioural science is another area that we're looking to, to recruit in because a lot of changes in healthcare is going to be very much on people's behaviour. So being able to understand that and model that is going to be really important. Modelling skills, people skills, people management skills and both EQ and IQ, I guess, is new. So the way that we recruit is very much making sure that we have how people apply their knowledge and how they interact, as well as the technical skills. I think it's very easy to go out and just go for technical skills, but I think we want individuals that can matrix and work as a team and collaborate and bring their technical skills to bear so it's not just in somebody's head. They can actually share those technical skills with others. So I think the one area we haven't touched on in, in the sort of three pillars of your role that you mentioned at the start, Ming, is, is collaboration and partnerships. Keen to hear a bit more about how that filters into your role. So very much participating across cross-government CDO kind of initiatives where, where we're looking at data sharing, sharing our competency models, sharing our learning there's quite a few data leadership type networks that I'm part of and the teams are part of where we share what we're doing very much across government, but also partnering with the likes of ONS. We've tried to do some partnerships with external bodies where we can learn where we've seen they've got good models. So people like Rolls-Royce who have a really good data science model, we're working with them to better learn and share and what they're doing and hopefully adopt some of their learnings as well. Obviously, our technology partners, we have technology partners that are really helping us develop new skills as well, but really interested in networking with anybody because I think we can learn from anyone. And we're also very happy to share what we're doing. So I want to start thinking about then what the future says, Ming, you know, where do we sit? Where what are we talking about in five years' time? As speaking to the CEO of the NHS, where do we sit then? I think in five years' time, it will be much more about personalised medicine and personalised services and how we've optimised health service using technology and analysis. I think, you know, if I look at where we need to be, we need to have much better understanding of the levers um, to improve care, person level. And that means probably in five years' time, there will be probably some experimental stuff, if not you know, fairly down the road in genomics. The new treatments, how do you justify better outcomes? And I hope by then we will be much better versed on the data to look at health care outcomes based on our treatments and also our services. 
And what have we learned over this period then, uh, this period of the pandemic where we've doing so much work on data, we've all downloaded the app, we've all been become more interested, we're all watching the news, we all see the charts. So what have we as, as a society learned that sets us yeah. in good stead for this future? I think citizen engagement in and really enablement and digitalizing that last pathway, you know, the last mile in, in retail and actually engaging with the citizen on looking after their own health. So a lot of future health is going to be a blend of kind of well-being as well as you know, preventative. So actually encouraging, giving information, advice and guidance through the apps and other things and your your Apple Health probably is going to be a big feature of that. And then optimising on that and making sure we're targeting the right advice and guidance and treatments to the right people. So that segmentation model is going to be really important. And the Nirvana in all retail is a segment of one, isn't it? Making the processes optimise the segment of one. And that's what I meant by personalised medicine, really. We are going to get down to be much more targeted in the way that we treat our population and our cohorts of population. The quickest way to get out of this period that we're in is, is the vaccinations, Ming. I read an interesting project about the insights you're getting from the data that can identify where is high in vaccinations, where is low in vaccinations, if there's any trends in racial or demographics. Can you talk a bit more about where we stand yeah. right there at the moment? So as part of our vaccination operation centre kind of product, we did some analysis and we've created a a tool to look at where we mapped uptake by demographic, IMD and location. So you were, you were able to see graphically a heat map of uptake. And that was really important when we were setting up early days to target why different populations weren't coming forward and use that to both look at distance people had to travel to a vaccination centre and also whether there were certain groups where we could actually create, set up new vaccination centres in mosques or, you know, churches and pharmacies and in different neighbourhoods. So having that drill down in a map, as well as a heat map on the uptake for, for inequalities that helped us target interventions. And we're using that same view, if you like, in how we're recovering. So are people coming forward for their scans or the the screening, we're using the same technique for targeting that as well. So that when we recover, we're actually making sure that we're not doing it with people that always come forward, that we're actually making sure that we target the right population so that we can level up across the population for health. So a digital first recovery. Yes. Sounds good. Excellent. Exciting. Well, it's been great to talk to you, Ming. I guess a final question that I always ask is just any final words of wisdom from yourself to the audience. We have such an opportunity to really grasp digital as part of coming out of COVID. Um, we need to maintain the advances that we've had. It does mean quite a bit of culture change and ongoing culture change, but I don't think there's an option to go backwards. And I think, you know, if... For anyone out there that thinks that, you know, this interesting data and uh, analysis is going to go down, I think, you know, think on because I think it's more. And I think the acceleration of that journey is going to go further. And as technology moves, you know, we really need to gear up both our workforce, but also some of our ethical considerations of how we're using data more, you know, in a timely manner. 
Super. Excellent conclusion. Mig, thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you so much for all the work you and the team have been doing. We're all really grateful and best of luck over the coming months. Thanks again. Thanks so much for your time, Sean. It's been lovely. Thanks for watching. Now, next up on alter.com forward slash future says will be Niraj Parihar, leader of Capgemini's data and insights division in India. He'll be speaking about fostering the right culture in your data science teams. Hope to see you there.